This is Think Digital Futures. I am Miles Herbert, filling in for Shane Anderson this week. This is a content warning. We talk about sexual and domestic violence in this episode, and if this raises any concerns for you, please give Lifeline a call at 13 11 14. Okay, now for the show. We're still waiting for the full details to emerge. I want to be clear about that. We definitely don't have all the facts. This is Heidi Matthews. She is a professor at the Osgoode Hall Law School. The Toronto police are being very careful to release information very slowly and and once they have the facts. Heidi lives and teaches in Toronto, Canada. And the facts she does know, on the afternoon of April 23rd, 2018, a man by the name of Alex Manassian drove a white passenger van. Uh, A few blocks sort of on a rampage, striking pedestrians um, in the street uh, in North Toronto on Young Street. It was a sunny afternoon, and right before the attack, Young Street was busy and full of life. I think many people in the world will recognize Young Street as being one of the, I think, the longest street in North America. CCTV footage shows the 25-year-old Manassian flying through intersections and deliberately trying to hit pedestrians on sidewalks. Part of the horror was that it, we had had a very tough winter in Toronto this year, and every it was like one, it was a very hot, sunny day, and everybody was sort of on the patio and on the street walking around, and sort of I came out and I went to a patio to grade my final papers for my students and, and started reading Twitter and about what had happened. And as Heidi jumped on Twitter, the news broke. Alex Manassian ended up killing uh, ten and injuring several more. Another 16 were injured, and 8 out of the 10 dead were women. The added uh, dimension of misogyny here, or, or potential misogyny, like, again, we don't have all the details at all, is really sort of fascinating and interesting in and of itself. From the evidence we do have, namely a Facebook post Manassian posted before his attack, Facebook has confirmed that he actually posted on his Facebook site... Um, the disproportionate amount of female victims wasn't an accident. And I'm quoting, Private Recruit Manassian Infantry 00010, wishing to speak to Sergeant Forchan, please. And then he cites his Canadian military number. He had been for a very short time a recruit in the Canadian military. He continues, the incel rebellion has already begun. We will overthrow the Chads and Stacys. All hail the Supreme Gentleman, Elliot Roger. And ends the post there. If you are having trouble keeping up, that's okay. When the world first heard the term incel... So was everyone else. Incel is short for involuntarily celibate. And while at first glance, this subculture, which hangs out in the usual places like 4chan and Reddit, might seem like just another extension of the constantly growing misogynistic manosphere, Their language is equally more inaccessible and violent than the rest. In his Facebook post, Manassian threatened to overthrow all Chads and Stacys. Chads, the word incels use to describe attractive men who sleep with lots of women, and Stacys, the female counterpart to Chads, a wide-reaching and degrading view of women built on perceived levels of attractiveness and promiscuity. Some incels even believe they are victims of what they call reverse rape, 
by which they mean their lack of sexual activity provides an equitable amount of trauma to the variety of rape we are more familiar with. It's sort of unbelievable, but this is what they say. As for who Elliot Roger is, whom Manassian also mentioned in his Facebook post, in 2014, outside the University of California, Santa Barbara, in Isla Vista, California, the 22-year-old man killed six people and injured 14 others before taking his own life. But not before posting a 100,000-word manifesto and accompanying online video. Hi, Elliot Roger here. Blaming women for his violence. You girls have never been attracted to me. I don't know why you girls aren't attracted to me, but I will punish you all for it. In the hours before the attack, Manassian called Roger the Supreme Gentleman and linked his own violence to Roger's gender-based rampage, or what he called the Incel Rebellion. Presumably fueled by his sort of social alienation and frustration that was in large part based on what he perceived as his lack of access to sex or sexuality. You are listening to Think Digital Futures. I am Miles Herbert. In the wake of the Toronto van attack, it seemed the whole world was scrolling through their news feeds and diving into online forums, trying to wrap their minds around the new incel phenomenon. Was misogyny really Missian's motive? So incels see them as genetically disadvantaged and the sort of victim of a kind of mass um, socio-structural you know, oppressive system on par with what women like me claim to be, have suffered and to be suffering. This is Dr. Emma A. Jane. She is a senior lecturer at the University of New South Wales School of Arts and Social Sciences. Emma spends her time researching online misogyny, but before that, she was a journalist. Yeah, well, I first became interested in online misogyny when I received a heap of rape threats over the internet from the late 90s for about 20 years while I was a journalist. Emma had a chat with producer Shane Anderson. Yeah, so tell me about the first, I guess, abusive message that you received as a journalist. Do you remember? Yeah, it said all feminists should be gang raped to set them right. And that was sent to you in an email? Yeah, to a personal, to my personal email account. And I only had just got email, so I was like, oh, my God, you know, email's dirty. Um, but, yeah, I remember it really clearly. Whoever wrote this proposed, like, a good round of coercive anal sex to set me right. So what was it like working in the public sphere knowing that your your presence in public was, I guess attracting all this abusive messages it was horrible and it really got to me after the you know years went by and I realized it was just um, part of my daily life to have to open my inbox every day and just look at a stream of this since then the world of online misogyny has grown and changed a lot First, there were the pickup artists who wanted to teach you how to sleep with women. 
And then from there came the blog and online community known as Pua Hate, who felt let down by the pickup artists when women still wouldn't sleep with them. And now, most recently, the emergence of the MRA, or men's rights activists, who feel threatened by feminism and the Me Too movement, all who have found a safe space for their hate speech on the internet, now known as the Manosphere. Initially, I wanted to track the history of this kind of discourse online because I had watched it go from a really, really small number of recipients and presumably senders to a kind of explosion in the number of of receivers and presumably the number of senders. Emma says the growth of these movements doesn't exist in isolation from the growth of the internet. The way that, you know, the internet formed... It was almost like it had been engineered to facilitate hate speech. Like it wasn't, it wasn't, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's just that you couldn't have really, even if you went out of your way, you probably couldn't design a thing that was so conducive to amplifying hate speech. As more people jumped online and had the ability to share their thoughts with the world. One of the things that they wanted to self-publish was um, rape threats. And even after attempts to curb the rise of online hate speech, things didn't seem to be getting any better. And so what's really interesting and horrifying is to watch the fact that this discourse, this really misogynist discourse, just continues to increase and continues to circulate. And so too with the incel movement. What started as a support group for people who found it hard to communicate and interact with the people they're attracted to quickly became an underground hate movement tied together by the architecture of the internet. Like, if you really hate women or a particular type of dog, it doesn't matter what it is, you will, on the internet somewhere, it is a thing, and you will find others like you. So, like the disgruntled men on the internet before them, that's exactly what the incels did. Some of those incel message board postings are so weird. What kind of language can I use? Yeah, so women are, you know, psychotic cunts and epic sluts and they've taken so much dick and yet they won't fuck an incel. The role of the female given to it by nature is to pleasure and serve men well. And then there's this idea that that incels are kind of like charity cases. It was designed to be dominated by man in its entirety. It needs no rights or freedom. Like social justice warriors should organise sort of big free sex parties for them to come and, you know, enjoy as a kind of social service. We had everything. Free pussy, a meritocracy. You work hard and are guaranteed a bride. Young hot one too. Why change this? We were so fucking close. I've read posts where people argue that women are literally Hitler. Around the time second wave feminism started, male suicide skyrocketed. Literally cancer. Coincidence? I think not. Their sense of entitlement to sex with women is extraordinary. But despite the growing amount of hate generated online and Elliot Roger taking the lives of six in 2014, awareness of the incel community remained pretty limited. 
In 2017, the community did attract some attention when Reddit shut down their forum of more than 40,000 members. But in typical internet fashion, they just relocated to the infamous troll hangouts 4chan and 8chan. So I guess the question a lot of people ask is how do we get from this kind of vile stuff just posted in message boards and which could be seen as just the internet interneting all the way through to, to you know, large-scale massacres where people actually lose their lives, not virtually, but on the street, IRL. Emma says incels are not born, they are made. While most new incel recruits do start out bitter and lonely, they go on to be radicalized by their incel peers on a relatively small number of message boards devoted to their radical ideology. The self-radicalization process happening is absolutely radicalization. And once again, the anatomy of the internet doesn't just allow for this radicalization to happen. It helps it flourish. It forms a mutually supportive community that justifies harming women. The incel community is self-radicalizing in, in that it's an echo chamber. One post on the message board, incel.me, writes, I do not blame Alex Manassian for what he did. Another says, I blame society for treating low-status men like garbage. There will always be more rampages because of the way society treats us. To a certain extent, the number of people who are likely to make that journey is ultimately irrelevant because the women I've interviewed who are suffering tremendously often because of this material know that it only takes one guy. So even if a tiny fraction of the guys on the incel message boards end up taking their hate from online forums into the real world, Jane says the numbers don't matter and allowing hate groups like the incels to go unchecked is a dangerous precedent. Many of them said that they're just waiting for the moment where one of those guys happens to be the one that shows up at their house. So the natural question, of course, is, well, what do we do? How can we stop this kind of thing happening again? Um, What do we do with these groups of hardline misogynists in the manosphere, like the incels? That's coming up after the break. You are listening to Think Digital Futures. I am Miles Herbert. Welcome back to Think Digital Futures. I am Miles Herbert. When Alex Manassian drove a van onto the Toronto pavement, killing 10 and injuring 16, Toronto Police Chief Mark Saunders said, while this act of violence seemed to be deliberate, there was no evidence of terrorism. I think the general attitude in Toronto, I mean, it's a pretty calm city. There wasn't overreaction among any of the population, I don't think. Um, And there weren't 
calls among people in Toronto anyway, I, I don't think, to label this terrorism off the bat. This is Heidi Matthews again from the Osgoode Hall Law School in Toronto. Maybe it's typical Canadian fashion, I'm not sure, but everybody was quite careful. So, for example, you know, even though the Prime Minister shared his condolences with the families and everybody affected um, in, you know, I think what he probably called a tragedy, certainly didn't call it terrorism. And nobody nobody was, was quick to jump to that conclusion. But as more details emerged about the possible misogynistic motives of the attacker, calls from around the world pushed to brand this act of hate as what they thought it was an act of terror. I think some of the people who wanted to call this terrorism were quite well-meaning. By not calling incels a terrorist movement, are we not giving enough weight to the extremism that fuels it? And if we do label these acts of gendered violence terrorism, will that help society formulate some sort of address? What they wanted is to label as terrorists a white middle-class male perpetrating violence in the same way that we've been quite willing to label other people perpetrating violence on a scale like this as terrorists. This is Ramona Vijay Arasa. She is a postdoctorate research fellow in the Faculty of Law at the University of Technology, Sydney. Ramona understands why people might jump to labeling an incel a terrorist. It acknowledges how serious violence against women is. It seems like the appropriate way to condemn acts intended to harm and terrorize women. Well, I think the first thing we need to do when we talk about the so-called incels is question the label incel. But many, like Ramona, are reluctant to give the incel movement any weight at all, let alone call their perceived victimhood an ideology. So these men have self-labeled themselves as involuntarily celibate. And they're arguing that they are a group of men who are disgruntled because they have been rejected by women or have failed relationships with women. And I think the language of incels is problematic. Why are we allowing a group of men to claim some kind of victimhood to then victimize other women? By concentrating on labeling this act of violence terrorism, Ramona says we are turning the conversation away from what this violence is really about. But when we focus on the terrorism, what we're shifting the attention away from is the gender-based violence, that women are the targets, and they're being targeted because these men feel entitled to target women. And I think we can't allow our conversation about terrorism to overshadow a conversation about why is it that some men feel entitled to have sexual relations with women? Why is it that some men feel that when they've been rejected, they are therefore entitled to perpetrate violence against women? And why, as a society, are we talking less and giving less attention to crimes against women? There is a long history of gendered violence being ignored and deprioritized in this country and around the world. And simply labeling an act of violence as terrorism doesn't sufficiently address the gender-based inequality that normalizes acts of violence against women. But I also think we need to question why we're treating crimes that are gender-based different from other crimes. For some reason, crimes that women are suffering because they're women are given less attention and are valued less. And women who are victims of violence are also treated differently before the justice system. Why do you think that is? Look, I think we can't ignore the fact that women are treated as second citizens in society. So if women aren't treated as equal to men, crimes that are gender-based, that are specifically suffered by women, will also be given a different value and be treated differently.
In Australia, we certainly deprioritise violence. So when you look at the budget that's just come out, when you're only putting $18 million towards domestic violence compared to significantly more for border security, it definitely does feel like violence is deprioritised. And yet you could name the number of victims of domestic violence as being far greater and the impact on those women's everyday lives as far bigger. At the time of recording, 24 women have died violently in Australia this year alone. Surely we have spent enough time excusing men. Or we excuse men's macho behaviour because culture makes men behave a certain way because they have to be the breadwinners and they have to be macho. We've spent enough time excusing male behaviour and the whole debate around the so-called incels is once again excusing male behaviour based on the idea that these men are disgruntled and somehow that's okay to justify violence. Nothing justifies violence against women and it's time to stop excusing men. Thanks for listening to Think Digital Futures. This show is supported by the University of Technology, Sydney, and 2SER. Think Digital Futures is produced on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation. Thanks to Heidi Matthews, Emma A. Jane, Ramona VJ Rasa, as well as Jake Morecambe and Shane Anderson for their help with this episode. If you like the show, you can find more about Think Digital Futures over on 2SER.com. If you are listening via your favorite podcast app, subscribe and leave us a review. Shane Anderson will be back with you all next week, but for now, I am Miles Herbert.